I want to just talk today about God's love, the, God, the love of the Father. Um, and I just want to, in a sense, remind us and remind you and remind myself of why we're here. I was thinking as I was away about, you know, what do we do as a church and how do we carry on as a church? And, uh, and it's really easy in our culture. We've got so many things going on. There's so many... Um, competitive voices, it's really easy as a church to go, boy, how do, we, uh, how do we compete with all these other things and how do we keep going and how do we get another program and all the rest of it. Um, and I think if you go down that road, you get lost pretty quickly because you end up uh, in entertainment. And uh, I was saying sort of, Lord, what are, the, what, are the, what are the things that really are important for us? And, and I, I just want to spend two weeks, this and a, a week in a, in a while, talking about... Um, some core values. And I think the one core value, the one heartbeat of a Christian community, which should be a church, um, is this whole area of what we've got on the wall here, which is the love of the Father. And, and never lose sight of that. The other core value, uh, and, and that core value deals with things like identity and hope and joy and acceptance and future and provision. Um, the, whole, the whole truth and reality of living within uh, the embrace of the Father as not just a sentimental truth that happens when you die, but actually is experienced now. And then out of that, a, a, I want to talk about you know, Jesus' parable about, or, or metaphor with the, the vine, the, the grapevine, and basically... Um, how he prunes that and how he uses that for fruitfulness. In other words, how does, once we've been known God's love and his, his presence, how do, how do our lives grow in sense of purpose and meaning and, for, and fruitfulness? Because that's what everybody's crying out for in the end of the day. But we're going to talk about the Father tonight. I mean, today, this morning. <laughs> um, the, you know, if you have, have you ever been to one of those places where they've done an unveiling and they kind of have a sheet over? I was going to do it, and then it was too much trouble. But put a, a sheet over, and, and you wonder what's under, and then they sort of unveil it. And when Jesus told the story uh, about the prodigal son and the older brother, it was like an unveiling. It was like a opening up the, the, the curtains and saying, do you want to know what heaven looks like, and do you want to know why I'm here? Well, this is what it looks like. And if I were to say to you, um, how's it going with God as Father? How's your relationship with God going? Um, you know, I wonder what you would actually say. And that's not, again, an, uh, a question to invoke guilt. It's just a question to go, what's it like? If I said to you, tell me about God, what's he like? What would you say to me? And one of the uh, reasons why I'm going to write to this person and... Uh, say why you need to be part of a church and why you need to be part of something bigger is that um, your information is often very slanted and skewed by your life experience. As uh, somebody else said, you know, if you come from a, a, a difficult family and you come from a place where fathers are not good news, and I learned this 25 years ago when I spoke to a woman in my office on the other side of town, and I said to her, how's your family going? And she said, it's fine. And how was your childhood? It's fine. Everybody's fine for the first five minutes. And um, how's your, you know, tell me about your father. No, it was fine. 
Tell me, we came back to that, and eventually I asked the third time, and she said, well, he actually abused me for five years and made me kneel at my bed and ask Jesus to forgive me for tempting him. And that's when I sort of really, it hit me very hard, the, what somebody like me says from up here and what's heard can be very different. And in, in, a, in a society where so much family is broken, the whole experience of father love is a foreign thing for a lot of people. And I, you know, I didn't, I didn't come from a family. It was cool when I went back to Cape Town. We went to look at the house where I grew up, and the guy pulled up, somebody who lived there pulled up as we were, Cheryl and I were looking at from the outside, and I said, oh, I used to live here, and he's got two little girls. And he said, well, why didn't you come in and have a look? And so we sort of went and looked at my childhood home. Um, but the reality was, you know, my mother died when I was 11 or 12, and I don't know, a mother to me is a concept. I don't have... I don't have any emotional expression of that that's healthy or, you know, my heart doesn't beat. Um, and I think some of you have that with fathers. My father was distant. So when I first sort of started talking about God or it took me years to believe that God was generous or kind because I had to go and ask my father if I wanted to use the car. I had to have a reason to use it. I could never say, could I use the car, Dad? No, I, I'm using it because youth group is meeting and I need to help them. If I was doing something for somebody else, then I could possibly get it. It's an awful feeling when you have to continually try and connive how to get things. And I'm merely sharing that not to get a pity party because it's healed a lot of it. But uh, to, to say that a lot of us don't come naturally to love uh, in the sense of the love of a father who cares for us. And God had to melt that in me and start saying, I'm not like your earthly father and I'm not like a lot of other things. I am different and I'm much nicer. And it's one of the reasons why now you'll hear me speak about this so much. And, uh, you know, with my daughters, I will say to Carmen and Michelle every time I see them, I love you, I love you, I love you. Get therapy when I'm dead, I love you. But if my daughters walked in now and they stood up here, I have absolutely no doubt they would say, we knew my father loves us. It's been one of, the, one of the things in my life that I've said, I'm not going to lose that one. And actually, it's really fun telling them that I love them. It's really fun going to South Africa and going, you can only take so many gifts, John, because I want to get more and more and more and say, ah, here's, 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 here's. Because as a father, you want to spoil, you want to just... Have fun giving gifts. And so I come back and I say to them, what do you want? Oh, a tablecloth and I would like a giraffe statue. So I get the giraffe statue and the tablecloth and I get all this stuff and I give it to them. Oh, that's lovely. It's lovely. Now, if I who am evil know how to give good gifts to my daughters, how much more? So how do you think God the Father sees you right now? Emotionally, He looks at you with more passion than you have for your children. That's why he sent his son, Jesus. Because people saw God as this abstraction. And then his view got blocked by religion. And so they didn't get a revelation. It was always veiled. And Jesus came into the world and said, if you've seen me, you've seen my father. And Jesus was surprisingly kind and good and gentle and powerful. God seemed very nice when they met Jesus. He seemed very terrifying when they met the Pharisees and the religious leaders. 
And so Jesus wanted to share... I'm going to tell you all kinds of things that I didn't rehearse. Um, when I went to Cape Town, I had, there was a 60th birthday. Uh, this is recorded, but I hope this person doesn't hear it. Um, and uh, so there were a bunch of people that I'd grown up with, and uh, I saw my first girlfriend. She was 19 when I phoned her up and said, I think, you know, I'm not ready to settle down. And the guy she was with, I knew she would go out with after me because he was a nice guy, and they're still together 40 years later. And it was actually quite fun to sit down and say hi. 50, whoa, yeah, she's 59 now. I lost her when she was 19. That's quite an interesting transformation. Why am I telling you that? I actually don't know why I'm telling you that. <laughs> lost it. Maybe it'll come back. Um, but talking, but going back to the Father's love, Jesus, you know, was was talking about those who were lost, and he had told some stories. Um, about people who were lost, but he was trying to convey the love of this father that people weren't intuitively connected to. And he, uh, he told the story of the prodigal son. And he said, uh, there were these two boys. There was a father who was obviously very wealthy, and he had two sons. And the one son said, Dad, could you give me my inheritance now? Because I want to get out of here. This is stifling. And the father surprisingly said yes, because in the Middle East, as you know, if you ask your father for an inheritance, you mean, Dad, I wish you were dead, because I want your stuff. And uh, instead of killing his, his son, he gave him his inheritance. And his son went off to a foreign land. And his son basically lived the classic life of the big spender with the money and the bucks and the women and the drink and the cars and everything else. The only problem is, like, the, you know, like many things, if you don't have inflow, outflow suddenly empties what you've got. And uh, daddy's you know, gift dried up. And he found himself in this place of now he's got no more money he's, and he suddenly finds that the people who hang around him don't hang around him anymore. They're hanging around him over there because he's got money. And... He begins to think to himself, I'm feeding pigs in this place, which is not a good thing for a little Jewish boy. And uh, maybe if I go back home and I say to my father, you know, forget about being your son. I don't deserve to be your son. I just, I'll just be a servant. Uh, that would be cool because being a servant on your farm looks pretty good to me right now. And so he decides to head off home. And Jesus in the story talks about the father who, who every day comes to the doorway and he looks down the road. He never, ever forgets that boy. One of the reasons I was going to tell you the story about uh, my first girlfriend was she was adopted. And I remember her uh, once just virtually in tears going, I'd love to know who my parents were. And I think in every human heart there's this cry to know, to be connected. It's the image of God on us. And so the, the younger brother heads for home. And I know you know the story well, but I find every time I reflect on it, it moves me. And this boy is far from home. He's still further down the drive than Bill's drive. And the father sees him. And the father gets his servants and, and, and hooks up his long robes and he runs. 
all the way down the driveway until he meets with his son. Understanding that men running in the Middle East in Jesus' culture was not the cool thing to do. But it was irrelevant what other people thought. There's the boy, let's go. I recognize him. I could tell him a mile off. Look at the way he's walking. And man, is he struggling to come home. And he runs and runs and runs to where that boy is. And he embraces him. And the boy's got this list and the speech. And he says, I'm not worthy. And the father just embraces him, stifles him. Because as fathers can do. If you have children, sometimes they really screw up. And sometimes you don't need them to give you. If you're, if you're kind, you don't need to get them to give you a spiel. You just go, I'm glad you turned. And the father embraces this boy and doesn't let him get his whole story out because he doesn't need to know. He kind of knows anyway. And he says, ultimately, he says, give him a ring, give him something on his feet, give him a cloak. He reinstates him before he's got home. He reinstates him as his son. He gives him a ring for authority. He gives him, he gives him shoes that signify that he's no longer a slave, but he's a son because slaves didn't have shoes. And he gives him stuff right there, far away from before he's got home. And then he says, now let's go back and there's a fattened calf to kill and we're going to have a roast and we're going to have some music and we're going to have an absolutely cool celebration because you, my son, you were dead and now you're alive. What's Jesus doing? He's saying, that's what my father's like. That's my dad. He's cool. He's running toward you right now. Now, how do you think that son felt? How do you think the son felt about his father after that? I deserve to be judged. I deserve to be abandoned. I deserve to be punished. I deserve to certainly not be an inheritor of anything. And the father just wipes it all and says, it's my decision. I'm glad you're back. Let's get on with life. I wonder how that son would have given a testimony. I wonder whether he would have had some passion in him. I was lost, now I'm found. I wonder how he would have responded to other people who were in need. See, the father's nightmare would have been for his son to come home. And heading home, the older brother would meet him. Or the village. Because if the village or the older brother had met him, it said, what the heck are you doing here? You have no right to be coming in this direction. They would have sat him down and they would have stoned him. They would have punished him. They would have said, you're going to have to work off your debt. And they would have done what many people do to each other. And that is they play God. You do not deserve grace and kindness. Look what you've done. And so they meet people down the road and they judge them in the name of God. And the people who are down the road decide, forget it. I'm not going back there. And they never go in that direction again. And God grieves because he says, I didn't send them to say that. He's got another. So his son comes in and they, they're really having a party because if you want a picture of church, look at the banqueting house of the father. That's what it's meant to be. This older brother has never left home physically and he's working in the fields. And he's been in a resentful mode ever since his younger brother left. And he's resented the fact that his father has given him his half the inheritance. Well, he's given him his inheritance. And he's stuck there working. It doesn't seem to enter his head that if you want to go, go yourself. 
But he spent his whole life resenting his brother. And that's come between him and his father. And so he's resented being there. He hasn't got the guts to move himself. So he lives out of anger all his life. And he hears this, and, and to rub salt into his wound, he hears this uh, banquet going on. And he says, what's that about? And he says, your brother. And he goes, him? Yeah, they're, they're having a party for him. He's gone off and he's wined and dined. He, he's done everything. I've had to tell this row all the time. And now there's a, I've never had that. And I bet you there were words that you couldn't put in the Bible that were spoken by him. I was listening to the, uh, I think it was uh, something on the radio this week, just happened to, to come across it, talking about experiments with monkeys and jealousy in animals. And uh, they did this experiment. Uh, this was one of the original experiments talking about how animals experience unfairness. And they gave these monkeys uh, they, a little thing to do, and then they rewarded them with cucumbers, a cucumber. And they, the two monkeys were happy. And then when they did those things, they gave the one monkey a grape. And all hell broke loose. The other monkey, you know, they did the same task, but he wasn't getting the same reward. Salt, got angry, threw things, wouldn't eat the cucumber because he wasn't getting a grape. What we do. We're a little higher than the monkeys, maybe, or not. And the older brother saw this younger brother and was jealous and angry and furious. And the... What does the father do? If I was the father, I'd say, hey, Jimmy, work it out. The father comes out to that boy as well. And he meets him in the field and he says, what's your problem? And he says, you have never given me a calf. You have never done this. And the father looks at him. And I'm sure he embraces him and says, son, all I have is yours. You could have had this any time you wanted. But you got so stuck in your anger and you got so blinded by your jealousy, you never even thought to ask. He said, your brother was dead and now he's alive. And that blesses my heart. And your anger and your jealousy is, is incredibly sad to me. Because I love you just as much as I love your brother. And I want you to come alive as well. Because you've been dead in that field ever since he left. Come inside. And we're never told whether he comes inside or not. And I want to suggest to you that we're either the prodigal or we're the older brother. That God the Father is always reaching out to draw us inside. Where the doorway is present into heaven on earth. Which is the life and the love of a father who loves us. It's out of that place that Carolyn's cry will be heard. And Jeannie's and anybody else who wants to be heard. Your father loves you, cares for you, and has provided for you and will provide for you. Ice was the older brother for six or seven years. I stood outside. I was angry. I was furious. I was jealous. I was bitter and twisted. Some of you know some of you fortunate to have not seen that. The older brother is a familiar person to me. So is the prodigal son. And God the Father is the one who comes out to both of them. And everybody here falls into one or mixes those categories and says, come back inside. As, as, as Bill started selling, it's very easy to start walking away from the house. 
because we get seduced and we get tempted and then we, we, we read the wrong things or we, get, we listen to the wrong voices and suddenly we're out in the dark again. And people out in the dark are angry and jealous. They don't delight in things. They don't celebrate. They never worship. They say they're not comfortable with those things. Have you ever drowned? I nearly drowned off the coast of Africa when I was in my late 90s. I think I was in my early 20s. You know how little it matters how you look or how comfortable you feel? You know, like when you're, when you're, when you're drowning, you're just going, help. And a guy in a surfboard came up. I didn't go, I don't like the color of the surfboard. I prefer a girl to come out in a bikini on a surfboard to rescue me. You don't have even anything like those thoughts. You go, thank God there's a surfboard. I once was lost and now I'm found. And if God can find me, he can find anyone. So the hallmark of a Christian community that pulsates with the love of the Father is one that goes out and meets people on the road when they're wanting to come home but they don't even know what home looks like, feels like, or smells like. And they certainly don't think there's going to be a celebration for them. You see, the person who's talking to me about not wanting to be part of a church has no experience of the love of a father. So everything is about a risk and disappointment. So the only way that they are going to know that that is lies is to meet somebody on the road who manifests something like the love of a father. And that would be you. Ever thought about this? The prodigal son went to a foreign country. I'm going to be really crude now. They didn't have condoms in those days. You think he got some girls pregnant? When those girls woke up to the fact their father came from another place, and those boys, illegitimate children, you think any of them wandered down that road back to the house? And what do you think the father would have said as they turned up on his doorstep? We're the illegitimate heirs. What do you think he would have said? I'm so happy that you've come home. I'm so happy that you've come home. I'm sorry for what my son did because it robbed you of some of your life. But I'm so happy that you've come home. God desperately wants to heal the older brothers and the older sisters, when we're angry or we're jealous or we feel left behind or we feel God doesn't care, you'll know if that's you this morning. And there's just an invitation, which means come inside. Let me love you. Some of us have cauterized our hearts. We will not feel. And you have an invitation to say, don't be too proud to feel. Don't be too proud to be loved. Don't be too proud to worship. Don't be too proud to say thank you. You will die with pride. Pride will isolate you. Pride is an ugly thing. It masquerades as independent. It masquerades as righteous. It masquerades as a lot of things, but it's ugly. It's ugly to be on the receiving end, and it's ugly to live with it. When Jeannie comes up here or Carolyn comes up here or somebody else comes up here and shares some of their lives or their, their need, what happens in your heart? I don't think it's judgment and I don't think it's anger. I think it's 
a cool response, isn't it? Because there's something in us that delights in the transparency of people. It's only the older brothers. I heard yesterday of somebody who, uh, you know, they were talking about their home and said, um, well, one of the couple would really like to have addicts and people who are struggling in their home. And the spouse said, not in my home. And you can tell who's the older brother. You can tell who's the one who has no compassion. And one of the hallmarks of Jericho Road is to be a place where older brothers and prodigals dance in the banqueting hall and then go back down the road and welcome others when they're far away. If this church is going to grow, we have to go out and give away. It's not about growing numerically so much as you can't keep it to yourself. So... I just want to ask you very simply this morning, uh, do you know the love of the Father or do you need to have it reignited? Have you lost the first love or is it burning passionately in you? Which just means God says, don't worry, I have you. I'm big enough for you. All I have is yours. And I want you to live out of a place of acceptance. I want you to live out of a place of great joy. Because you are found. You see, the, older bro- the younger brother was given back his identity as a son and a daughter. I'll finish with this. So, you know, in, in South Africa, um, I, I, won't, I won't go there, I don't think. What I want to say is that very often we stand before God and we say, this is who I am. And very often God says, um, you're seeing something very incomplete. Place yourself in my hand and let me continue to reveal to you who you are. What we have in our culture is a definition. I am a tradesperson. I am a this. I am a that. Even in sexuality, I am. And primarily, God says, don't define yourself by definitions. You're either son and daughter. That's what you are. It's out of son and daughter that everything else flows. Is it making sense to you? The deepest cry of our hearts is to be belong. And the deepest cry of the Father's heart is that He will run out. He sent His Son to die on a cross. He will run out. Because of He sent His Son, He opened the door. He will run out to meet you. You matter that much. And He wants His people to run out and meet others. And when they meet them, they get that love of the Father passed on to them through you and me. So I want to ask you, for those that are in your sphere of influence, who do they meet? Do they meet a passionate one who has, who, in whom the love of the Father dwells? And when you meet them, you put rings on their fingers and shoes on their feet and go, God is here for you. And you, I can, I, you know, I, I don't even know what to say. There's so much excitement because he's with you and he gives me authority to give it to you. And when they see you, they go, man, I want what you've got. Not in an overbearing whatever, but you're just alive. Or do they meet the older brother? Yeah, I, I, I used to. Yeah, I'm, you know what the older brother portrays. So, who would you like to be? It won't happen in your head. What we're talking about is ultimately something that flows out of your heart. Let's stand. And we can simply come to Jesus tonight, today. I don't know why I keep saying tonight. Keep coming to Jesus and the Father and respond to Him.
Now, it doesn't mean we're we having to start all over again from square one. That's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about remembering and allowing God to reignite us with the sense of His love and His presence in our hearts. You see, if all I have is yours, is His promise to you this morning, then receive all I have. Which means whatever you're aware of that is negative in you right now, receive the opposite. If you have anxiety, receive his peace. And you say, well, I don't understand. He doesn't understand these circumstances. He said, you can wait for your circumstances to change or you can receive what the Father gives you to rise above your circumstances and to walk through your circumstances with greater power and greater joy. But if you live your life on your circumstances, you will never know anything but endurance. Like we heard this morning, when we, we, when we know the presence of God, our circumstances somehow change. Or our perception changes. So God the Father is here, and He's standing before you with an enormous amount of stuff for you. He says, all I have is yours. Where do you feel you're lacking? For some of you, He says, I know what's, what you're lacking. I just need to hug you. Where have you been? I'm not very good at hugging heads. So you only give me your thoughts, and I, it's difficult to hug your head. When I hug your head, it feels like a, a half Nelson. It's not a pleasant place. I want to hug you. I want to embrace you. I want to welcome you. I want to tell you, don't be afraid. I want to tell you, I see you. I know you. I want to tell you that I'm so glad that you've come to me today. I want to tell you that I'm not angry with you. I've got a future for you. Nothing is too difficult for me. Not even breaking into Jeannie's heart. So the love of the Father today runs out to you and to me and He says, yes, welcome. And then He just really says, trust me with your life. Share your life with me. See what happens. Question me if you want. Get angry with me if you want. It's okay. But just come back to me. Or let me reignite what you've forgotten about. So Father, just pray release of the love of the Father right now into your heart. The release of His presence into your spirit. The release of hope and joy and kindness. The release of healing into your bodies. The release of delight. The release of music. The release of a love that feeds the hunger that's in your spirit. And if you have stuff that you're carrying around, you know exactly what it is. It's anger or it's unforgiveness or it's bitterness. You can give it to him right now. You just say, Father, I give it to you. We can talk about it later, but I, can't, I don't want to carry this all the time. It's ruining me. If your life is spent blaming other people, or you've still got issues with people who've hurt you, bring it to Jesus. It doesn't make it right. It just will set you free. Because it's the Father's heart that will bring healing. That's everything that healed me and is healing me, is the love of the Father. And you're His favorite. He's a calf that's roasting on a spit in honor of you. They're balloons and cards and people. And you walk in the room and they celebrate and they say, look who's here. And then you join in on the same banquet for the next person who comes in. And you rejoice and you celebrate because you're glad they come. You're not so self-conscious that you can't enjoy them. That's what heaven on earth looks like. Receive the love of the Father. We're going to share in the breaking of bread. And uh, 
It's a banqueting. And I'm going to say the words as I walk around here because I want to symbolize the Father who comes among us. And I know you're terrified that I'm going to walk around and stop by you and embarrass you. And I'm not going to do that. But he comes, if I can walk to where you are and you thought you were safe at the back, uh, then he can come to anyone. But the symbolism is really that God the Father invites every single one of us into his company and to his banqueting table. And so Jesus, you know, he talked to his disciples before he left them because he knew they were going to go through great challenges. And he took the bread, which is a very ordinary testimony symbol, and he broke the bread. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, eat this. This is my body that is broken for you. In other words, I've taken the punishment upon myself that you deserved because I wanted to embrace you rather than punish you. And so he, he, he gave that bread to them and said, eat this in memory of me. And then he took the cup. After supper, he took the cup and he gave it to his disciples and he said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins, which means my blood poured out on the cross took care of everything that would cause you to be separated from me. I am the father and I decide who comes to me and I've decided I want you to be with me. So I have fulfilled all the conditions, every condition, every sense of you're not good enough, every sense of it never changes. He just says, I've taken that. So if he's taken everything and everything he has is yours, it's a pretty good deal. And the part that lies ahead of us is learning how to live out of the richness of the Father and how to receive all that he has for us so that we can have life like we've never known it before. And what happens if you're like me is I keep taking my eyes off that and I forget about that and I go back into the miserable state. So that's why we need one another, to encourage us to stay moving toward the light, as Bill shared with us earlier. So I invite you, if you want to know Jesus, and you want to follow Jesus, and you want to know the love of the Father, and you want to allow Him to work more deeply in you, then come and share in this meal, and uh, rejoice, because you are welcome. You are very welcome, and you are included. And when you go away having been fed, Give him permission to use you. Say that if somebody meets me to this week on the road, I'm going to bless them and they're going to come running, coming back with me because uh, what they see in me is good. Right? So draw near and receive.